Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Mark. In the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number 8. I want to say it is very good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to be with our people and our people's friends and those that have gathered together. Uh, We thank you for all that you uh, uh, have done to invite and encourage those to come and be a part of the services. And so I want to I want to take just a minute and say this. Let let's listen real close to what God is trying to say to us. I know there is a message for y'all, but there's a message for you. And that's what we want to ask God to give us. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 Mark chapter number eight, Mark chapter number eight. And let's look in verse number 27, Mark chapter eight in verse number 27. Uh, uh, Let me say once again, it is good to be where God's people are. I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be than right here. Amen. Mark chapter eight, verse number 27, verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples saying unto them, whom do men say that I am? What a question. And they answered John the Baptist. Some thought that Jesus was John the Baptist come back from the dead. Some say Elias or Elijah from the Old Testament. He has showed up. Others Well, they think you're just one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? It's one thing to know what the world thinks of Jesus. But the question today is, what do you think of Jesus? Because what you think of Jesus has great ramifications on your eternal life. Then it says uh, in verse number 29, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to what? Rebuke him. Peter didn't like what he heard. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll speak to our hearts. Uh, We are in desperate need of your touch and your unction, Lord. I pray that you will guide my words and guide my thoughts. And Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. 
Lord, this is a very, very serious message this morning. And I pray for the power to preach it. I pray that you will open hearts and open ears. And Lord, let everyone in this building today be able to understand and comprehend the truth that is being shared today. Lord, we love you and we know we don't deserve you, but we are thankful for you. And I praise you and I glorify your name. I pray that you'll have your way and your perfect will be done in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Back in verse 36, we see a, a very, very piercing statement by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own what? So now let's read verse 37 together in concert. Everybody read this with me. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's read that again. Or I want to ask you this question. This is the title of the the message today. And, And this is a very piercing question. This is a very important question, a very serious question. What is your soul worth? What is your soul worth? Now, I, I, looked up, I looked up this morning, I did the Google search this morning, and, and I wanted to see what is the average, the average lifespan in America today. As of 2019, it might be a little different in, in, the, in this year, but as of 2019, the average lifespan for an American citizen was 79 years old. 79 years old. That's the average lifespan. You know, some uh, depart before that, some depart after that, but the average is 79 years old. And, and I'm, let's just go with the average. Now, we have an opportunity to live on this earth and experience life on this earth and experience the things of this earth and the stuff of this earth, the material things of this earth, the experiences on this earth for 79 years. After the 79 years is up, if our name has been called, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this to judgment. Now, let me just tell everybody here today, if the Lord Jesus tarries his coming, ain't nobody going to get out of this thing alive. We're all going to die. We're all going to leave this world. And we have an average of 79 years to live on this earth. And then after that, we will live for eternity, for eternity. So we have 79 years on this planet and then we have forever in one of two places. One place is called heaven. One place, the street is gold. The walls are jasper, the gates are pearl. One place, there's no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain over there. For in Revelation, God teaches us that he shall wipe away all tears and there shall be no more death. No more anything. He says he makes all things new. I need a shout right there. That's heaven. But then the other place is hell. Hell is real. It's not the figment of somebody's imagination. It's not, it's not just something to scare people. There is a literal place called hell where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. There's going to be eternal condemnation, eternal suffering, eternal pain, eternal sorrow forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, 79 years on this earth 
and then forever in eternal punishment. I want to ask you a question again. What is your soul worth? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I've got to I've got to ask you the question. What in the world that you could experience on this earth for 79 years is worth living the rest of your time forever in hell? What possession? What material thing? What 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 experience? What habit? What 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 uh, uh, what worldly joy or worldly uh, thrill that would keep you from trusting in Christ, surrendering your life to Christ? What in the world could be worth your soul? That's the question Jesus is asking. Man, what in the world? What in the world led up to such a question? What in the world caused Jesus to get so? I mean, feel it. Y'all feel it in here. What, what caused Jesus to, 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 to so, so damper the mood when the mood was so high? What caused him to say what he said? Well, I want to go back and I want to share with you just two or three things here this morning so you can answer that question in your life. Because guys, whether you like it or not, we're all going to answer that question. Now, look in verse number 27. Verse 27, Jesus has spent, now, now to catch you up to where we are, Jesus is toward the end of his ministry. He has spent about three years training his disciples. He's been working with them and teaching them and revealing himself to them. He's walked on the water. He's fed the 5,000. He's healed the lame and he's healed the blind. He's raised the dead. He's trying to show them and teach them who he really is. He's revealing himself as the Messiah. He's revealing himself as the son of God. He does the teaching. He does the preaching. He does the miracles, the miracle support and back his claim of being the son of God. And so now it's test time, if you will. You know, you go through the year, you go through the learning, you go through the teaching. And what do you get at the end of the year? You get this big what? Big test. We got, we got to know what you know. We got to know what you know. So he's putting them to the test. He is seeing what has my training done? What has my teaching done? Have I accomplished the mission that I set out to do in revealing myself, talking about Jesus, revealing who he truly was to his disciples? Do his disciples believe the teaching they've received from the Lord Jesus? Now watch what we see. Verse 27. Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples saying unto them, whom do men say that I am? After three years of teaching, after three years of, of ministry, after three years of healing and all that we've learned about Jesus's life in the gospel on this earth. After all of that, he says, who do, who do people say that I am? You've heard the chatter. You've been in the villages. You see what's going on. Who do men say that I am? Well, they, they started chiming up. Well, some think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. 
You know, uh, some think you're, you're Elijah. You know, Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament. He had great power in the Old Testament. He was very respected in the Old Testament, probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. And they think, hey, they just think you're an awesome dude, man. You are a great prophet. Well, that's very lacking. Because he was more than a prophet. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the Savior. And so now, when Jesus hears that response, he looks at them personally. Now, I need everybody to look at me real quick. Everybody look at me real quick. We are not going to stand before God. You are going to stand before God. Well, I go to church. The church is not going to stand before God. You are going to stand before God. You don't get in on somebody else's credit. My father was a pastor. I tell people I had a shouting mama and a preaching daddy. I grew up in church my whole life. I was most of my family, my surrounding family, they was in church too. But guess what? I did not have the ability to get into heaven on their righteousness and on what they did. I was not going to get into heaven because my father was a pastor. I was not going to get into heaven because my mama was a Sunday school teacher. I was not going to get into heaven because my uncles taught in Sunday school. I wasn't going, I am going to stand before God on my own. I'm going to have to answer this question. Who was Jesus to me? And we see Jesus confronts them personally on an individual basis. He says this, I know what the world is saying. You tell me what the world is saying, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter, he's, he's the spokesman. He's always speaking up quick and, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And we just happen to see both of them in one chapter. So we see Peter says, hey, we believe that thou art the Christ. We, we know in the other gospels, he says, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for God, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. In other words, Jesus is pleased with his answer. He's loving his answer and he blesses Peter and says, that's great. You are correct. So the first thing we see is a confession, a confession. Number one, if you're taking notes, uh, if, if you're a visitor today, if you're, you're a guest with us today, our people love to take notes, so I print it out for them. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This was a demanded confession. Say that with me. This was a... Everybody say it real loud. This is a... A demanded confession. You say, preacher, where are you getting that? Everybody in this room is going to have to answer that question Someday you're going to stand before God and give an answer to how you treated Christ. Who was Christ to you? Did you believe in Jesus or did you reject Jesus? Everybody, everybody say that with me. Everybody, every person in this room, every young person, every older person, every poor person, every rich person, Everybody's going to stand before God and they're going to be asked this question. Did you accept him or did you reject him? Did you believe in him or did you deny him? Are y'all with me? 
It's a demanded confession. We're all going to have to say either I believed him or I didn't. Either I followed him or I didn't. Either I loved him or I didn't. It's a demanded confession. We're all going to have to confess that one day. Not only is it a demanded confession, write this down. It's a determining. It's a determining confession. You say, what's the big deal about this confession? It's going to determine whether you spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. It's going to determine whether you spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Say, preacher, where do you get that? The Bible says, the Bible says in John chapter number three, you know, we we all, we, (laughs) this whole world loves, this whole world loves John 316. They do even, even lost people quote it. Even, 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 even people, it's probably the most, I I would dare to say, I would dare to say it's probably the most well-known verse in humanity. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We love that verse. And I, I do too. I do too. We love to know that God loves us. We know that to, to, to know, we love to know that God loved us so much that he gave his only son. We love to know that we can be delivered, but we got to keep reading. We got to keep reading. Look what it says in verse 17, John three seventeen. for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Watch this now. Watch this. You remember what I said? That, that, that confession you make. Whether you confess Christ, whether you believe him or reject him, whether you follow him or deny him, it's going to determine something. Watch this now. He that believeth on him, who's the him? Jesus. He that believeth on Jesus is not what? But he that believeth is what? You're already condemned. You see, that confession is so important. That confession is so important. How you treat Jesus is so important. Whether you believe in Jesus or not is critically important because if you believe on him, you are not condemned. If you believe on him, you are delivered. If you believe on him, you will be saved. If you believe and follow him, confess your sin, repent and turn to God, you will go to straight to heaven when your time is called. Say amen. But if you choose not to, If you reject him, if you deny him, I I, I was talking to a gentleman, we were standing in the middle of the woods and man, I was sharing my story with him and sharing my faith with him. And I shared the gospel with him. I said, I said, at least let me tell you how to be saved. At least I can. I told him because the night before we we had kind of got into a gospel conversation and 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 and, and it kind of we had to cut it short and I told him I said I'm fixing to leave and go back to Alabama I was in Ohio and I said at least let me tell you how to be saved at least let me tell you how to be saved before I go back man I won't be able to sleep if I go back and I don't tell you he said no problem I said listen I said listen you you got to understand that you're a sinner for the wages of sin is death. Uh, the, the, the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all, all have sin. sin and come short of the glory of God. 
I, I said, I said, Ray, I said, have you ever made a mistake? Oh, yeah. I said, do, you, is it, do I have to convince you you're a sinner? Oh, no, I know I'm a sinner. I said, OK. I said, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I said, Ray, that, that, that sin has to be paid for. I said, but it says that God commended this love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says in Romans chapter number 10, if we will believe uh, that Christ died and rose again the third day. I said, do you believe that? I said, yes, I believe that Jesus was God's son. I believe that he died and rose again. I said, we must confess him, Lord. We have to, re- what does that mean? You have to surrender. And he just wasn't quite ready to do that. Now I'm praying that he will. I'm praying every day that God will touch his heart and bring him to a place he's ready to surrender his life to Christ. So, so, so make sure you understand, just because you believe that Jesus was real, that doesn't save you. Say, so, well, where do you get that from? The Bible says, the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. But they will not repent. Here's the point. This confession will determine where you spend eternity. It's demanded and it's a determining message because what we do with Jesus, well, what if I choose not to believe him? You're already under condemnation. Church say amen. Amen. Now we know the confession that Peter made here was a good one, right? We believe that thou art the Christ. Man, Jesus is is thrilled with his answer. It's not in this gospel. It's not in the gospel of Mark, but in the other gospel, it says, uh, blessed art thou, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. I mean, he even goes to, he even goes to giving Peter some extra, uh, uh, extra potential and extra responsibility. He said, uh, I'm going to give thee the keys of the kingdom. What you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. In other words, he said, I'm going to give you a great responsibility. So everything's great. We believe that thou art the Christ, man. They're having a great time. Woo. And, and Jesus is excited. Jesus is happy about their confession of faith. This was the disciples' confession of faith. We believe that thou art the Christ. And they've been following him for three years. Now, number two. What was number one? We see a, everybody say it. We see a, number two, we see a confrontation. Everything was going good. Everything was going good. Everybody was happy. Everybody was excited. There's this great confession of faith. And then Jesus springs something on them. Verse 31. And he began to teach. This is Jesus teaching the disciples. And he began to teach them that the son of man must. Come on, everybody. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes. Uh Uh-oh, watch this. And be killed. And then it says, and after three days rise again, but they didn't hear that part. All they heard was suffer, rejected, and killed. Say it with me. Now watch. And he spake that saying openly. In other words, he didn't mask any of it. 
He was crystal clear in what was fixing to happen to him. And watch this. Who spoke up and said, we believe that thou art the Christ. Who said that? Now watch what the spokesman says now. And he said, and he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to. Now the same word, this, this word rebuke, it's the same word that's used in casting out devils. In other words, Peter takes the Lord, you know, God's son. You, you know, the same one that in John chapter one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him and all things were made by him and nothing was made without him. The one who spoke this world into existence, Peter's rebuking him. Jesus just declares what is fixing to happen. He says, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be treated terribly and I'm going to be killed. And Peter says, no, no, far be it from thee. I'm not going to let that happen. Now, now watch this, everybody. This is, this is where you got to really read between the lines. I know, I know Peter loved Jesus. I know that. I know Peter was the only one to draw a sword in the garden to defend Jesus. Hello. So he was willing to risk his life. But I, I, I don't think it was completely. I don't believe it was completely out of his love for Jesus that he's saying this ain't going to happen. You see, those disciples were followers. Say it with me. They were followers. of Jesus. Where Jesus went. What Jesus ate, what Jesus did, what happened to Jesus. Now, if Jesus was going to suffer, if Jesus was going to be rejected, if Jesus was going to die. Can y'all see it now? Whoa, put the brakes on. Wait a minute. You're, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You see this confrontation. First of all, write this down. <clears throat> write this down. There's a startling revelation. There's a startling revelation. The disciples, the disciples have been told that Jesus was going to suffer and die. There's a shameful response. Peter says, we're not going to have that. There'll be none of that. Don't even talk about that. We're not going to. No, no. You see, he's the Messiah. He's the one that they've been waiting on. He's the one that's been promised. God, through the prophets, down through the Old Testament, down through the ages, God said, I will send a hero. I will send a deliverer. I will send a Messiah. I'm going to send some of the lineage of David who will rule and reign forever and ever. I'm going to send a hero. And they have just confessed that this is the hero. This is the Messiah. This is the one that God has promised. And now you're telling me he's going to die? See, they couldn't, they couldn't, that just didn't fly with their, their theology. You know the reason why? Because they had totally ignored the other scriptures. They had totally ignored Isaiah. When Isaiah said he will suffer, 
he will be rejected. He's, every, everyone will abandon him. He will be a man of grief and of sorrow. He will be taken from this earth. Are y'all with me? It is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing with humanity. We like to take the Bible and we like to take the good stuff out and ignore the other stuff. We like to, we like to take the verses about grace and we like to take the verses about mercy and we like to take the, the verses about love and we like to take the verses about forgiveness and all of this. And, and that's all we talk, but we don't talk about justice. We don't talk about righteousness. We don't talk about holiness. We don't talk about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. They all go together. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that I think that I think that the American church is selling people a short bill of goods. They're not telling them everything. They're not telling them that there is a cost to following Jesus. And in this startling revelation, they learned that our Messiah is going to die. He's going to suffer. He's going to be rejected. And that means if he's going to suffer, if he's going to be rejected, if he's going to be killed, then there's a possibility that we're going to suffer and we're going to be rejected and we're going to be killed. And the first thing that happens is a revolt. The same one that stood with glory and honor and praise to Jesus. We believe that thou art the Christ. He is now saying, we believe that you've lost your mind. Hello. Y'all see that? This can't happen. This can't happen. But then there's a stinging rebuke. There's a stinging rebuke. Jesus turns to the disciples. Peter's speaking up, but they're in agreement with him. So he turns to all of them. And this is what he says. He addresses Peter. Now watch this. First, he tells Peter, blessed art thou. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Blessed art thou. And now... After Peter's rebuke, he says, get thee behind me. Wow. What a turn of events. From blessed art thou to you acting like the the devil. Now, this is this is a believer. He's already made his confession of faith. But then he says this, this is what I want you to take to heart. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. The word savorest there, it, it, it just means you prefer. You're not thinking God thoughts, you're thinking man thoughts. You're not desiring what God is wanting. You see, because in God's economy, the crown doesn't come first. The cross comes first. Glory doesn't come first. Suffering comes first. Before Jesus would wear the crown, he had to carry the cross. Before he could be praised and glorified, he had to go through great suffering. And what he is saying is you don't want to do what God wants to be done. And there are so many people today who are religious, but they're not redeemed because they want the glory and they want the praise. 
and they want the goodness and they want the prosperity and they want God to bless them, but they don't want to follow Jesus to the point it's going to cost them. And he says, you're talking and you're thinking and you're acting like Satan. This is God's will. It's God's will for me to suffer. It's God's will for me to be rejected. It's God's will for me to suffer and die on a cross, but I'm going to rise again the third day. What a confrontation. Now watch this now. Stay with me. Don't, don't, don't leave me yet. I promise you I'm going to wrap this up. Because we're getting to the point that Jesus made that startling statement of what is your soul worth? What led up to that? First, there was a, there was a what? What'd I say? There was a confession. Then secondly, there was a... You see, we come to God and we confess Him, but then we realize when we study the Scripture, we realize the experiences we go through in life that this Christian life is not always easy. That sometimes this Christian life requires us to suffer. Sometimes this Christian life takes us through deep valleys and dark times. Following Jesus was not always easy. Sometimes he went through storms. Sometimes he went through suffering. Sometimes he went through betrayal and rejection of the, the chief priests and the religious crowd. It was not easy to follow Jesus. But watch what we see, number three. We see a conclusion. We see a conclusion. He says, he, he, after he rebukes Peter and the disciples, he, he begins to teach them. And when he had called the people unto him, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, whosoever, read it with me, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. A, write this down. There's a pattern to follow. I want, you, I want everybody to write that down. There's a pattern to follow. Jesus is looking. He gathers people, not just his disciples. He gathers everybody around. He said, I need everybody to know this. I need everybody to know this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This is really important. This is really important. Don't, 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 don't check out on me. You know what Jesus is saying? Okay. You need to know this. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, this is what it's going to take. Real faith, real Christianity. There's a lot of religious people. There's a lot of people in churches all over America. There's a lot of people that claim to know Christ and claim to know God. And they say, if you ask them if they're a Christian, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And, but, but Jesus said, okay, if you're going to be a Christian, this is what it requires. A man must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, in a nutshell, the easiest way we can say that, in order to be a Christian, you have to completely surrender to Christ and become obedient to his leadership. Now, watch this. Remember in the woods? Remember in the woods, standing in the woods with this gentleman? He believed that Jesus was God's son. He believed that Jesus came and died on the cross. He believed that he rose again the third day. What was the problem? He wasn't willing to completely. Now, I'm going to say something right now that's going to, it's, it's going to, 
probably cause some of you to hiccup real quick. Everybody look at me. There is no such thing as a casual Christian. Well, preacher, I'm, I believe in all that, but I, I'm not, I, I'm just not going, I'm not going to, huh, watch this. I, I, I'm not going to be as radical as you are. I don't know about y'all, but deny thyself. You know what that means? That means die. You, you know what they did with the cross? They died on it. That doesn't mean physically. It means you die to what you want. You die to what you desire. You die to your life and you say, Lord, not my will, but. That's pretty radical. Well, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to be a radical one. If you're not a radical one, you are not one. There's no such thing as a casual Christian. There's no such thing as a brill cream Christian where a little dab will do you. Where you just make this little saying, well, I believe that he was the Christ, but I'm not going to follow him. I'm not going to submit to him. I'm going to do my own thing. That is not a possibility. That is not an option. That is not an option. Let me read it again, just so you know that I'm not confusing myself. Look what he says. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, what's that word? Whosoever. That, that means everybody, anybody, whoever is wanting to come after me. In other words, be a Christian. Whoever will come after me, let him. That means die to everything you are, everything you want, everything you desire and say, God, I'm not the boss anymore. That is complete surrender. Say that with me. That is complete. Take up his cross and follow me is complete obedience. That is the pattern. Now you see, why is Jesus saying that? Because they are upset and are bucking the fact that he's going to have to suffer and die. And it's a possibility that they are going to have to suffer and die. And so Jesus is just laying down the law. You want to follow me? This is what it's going to take. Complete surrender and complete obedience. Complete surrender and complete obedience. Is everybody with me? Say amen. I'm afraid there's people in church pews all over America who are a casual Christian, meaning they're not a Christian at all. They have a little resemblance of religion. But if you're going to follow Christ, you have to submit. You have to obey. Look what it says. Now, Jesus knows that's pretty stiff. He knows that that's pretty, pretty hard. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the, the same shall save it. In other words, let's put it in our kind of talk. I don't want to, I don't want to surrender to God because I still want to do this. I I don't want to surrender to God because I still want to live my life in this manner. But it's contrary to the word. I I, want to, 
I want to surrender. I, 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 I want to follow Christ, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, quit this habit. I don't want to give up this. I, I don't want to stop doing. He says, "You try to save it, you're gonna. But if you lose it for my sake, in other words, if you give it up." If you let go of it for my sake, you're going to you're going to find it. You're going to save it. Let me illustrate it. I was I was wanting to be I was wanting to be a veterinarian. When I was growing up, my father was a pastor and I, I'd, I'd seen what he had gone through and I'd seen the difficulties and the strife and the, the struggle and the. The heartache and the, I said, I do not want none of that. And plus, I was scared of people. <clears throat> Nervous, shy. I'm, I'm telling you, getting up in front of people would just ter- just terrified me, petrified me. I wanted I wanted to mess with animals because when you fix them, they don't talk back to you. Say amen. And I love that fact. And I wanted to be, and God kept calling me and God kept calling me. He said, I want you to preach. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. I'm calling you into the ministry. And I didn't want to let go because I thought that that I was holding on to was going to give me happiness and give me joy and give me what I was looking for. Everything I was looking for, I thought was right here in that thing that I didn't want to let go of. And when I finally quit running, and I finally said, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of holding on. And I finally let go and said, God, I don't care what it is you want me to do. I don't care what it is you want me to do. I don't care what it is you want me to go. I, I, whatever it is, whatever, not my will, but thy will be done. Guess what? I found that joy I was looking for. I found that peace I was looking for. I found that happiness I was looking for. But I never found it till I let go. Till I surrendered and I said, God, you're first in my life. So I want you to look at this. There's a pattern to follow. Jesus teaches. There's a point to consider. Jesus knows that this is a, Jesus knows that this is a, this is a tall order. This is a difficult thing to hear. I mean, I got to completely surrender. I got to give up everything. I got to be totally obedient to a, to a Lord. That's why it's called Lord. That you remember when Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. What does it mean for him to be your Lord? It means you are obedient to him. Now watch, watch this. Here's a point to consider. The pattern, the pattern to follow is in verse 34. Total submission, total surrender, complete obedience. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. But watch what he says now. He says, you think that's hard? You think that's hard? Verse 26 or 36. What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole. Come on, everybody. He shall gain the whole and lose his own. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know what Jesus is saying? Everybody look at me. Everybody look. We're almost done. What in the world? Pardon the pun. 
What in the world could you experience? Could you have? Would you hold on to for 79 years that's worth spending the rest of eternity in a burning lake of fire? What good? Jesus said, if you refuse to surrender to me, if you refuse to be in total obedience to me, if you refuse to allow me to be your Lord, if you gain the whole world, if you owned it all, what good would it do if when you die, you lost your soul? We've read... We've, you know, you've seen cartoons and you've seen movies. And in the movie, the part of the script is someone selling their soul for power or influence. And you know, they, they make this deal where he signed this and he sold his soul away and he gets everything. The devil gives him everything that he was looking. And then it comes time for the devil to to cash in and take his soul, you know, some of the movies, he fights back and he gets his soul back. That's not the case in reality. There are people every day, there's people in this room right now, you will not surrender to Christ because you don't want to give up something. You don't want to let go of control. Well, I want to ask you this. Say you keep what you have and you keep your, your control of your life right now for up to 79 years, and then you spend the rest of eternity in a burning hell. I got to ask you a question. Is it worth it? What is your soul worth? What is your soul worth? Is it worth that sin that you won't submit and surrender from? Is it pride? You're scared of what people are going to think? I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't care how proud you are. I wouldn't go to hell for nobody. And there is not a possession on earth worth spending eternity in hell. What is your soul worth? When Jesus already said, you know, all that thing you're wanting, you're thinking this world's going to offer to you. If you would just surrender your life to me, I will give you everything you're looking for. And he does. What's your soul worth? Lastly, look at that last verse. We see a pattern to follow. We see a point to consider. That point is what is your soul worth? Then we see a promise to remember. Verse 38, Jesus promises this. Whosoever, therefore, shall be... That means rejection. When he says you're ashamed of him, you reject him. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he come in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Preacher, what are you saying? Jesus has promised this. If you reject me in the 79 years I allow you to be on this earth, I'm going to reject you. When I come back again. Now everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Please look at me. We're dismissing right here. What's worth 
dying and going to hell? What possession, what person, what habit, what sin? The Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They loved their sin more than they were willing to submit and surrender. Their sin was more important to them than eternal life. I want to ask you a question. What is your soul worth? I want to ask you casual Christians in here, you just come and go as you please and you're not submitted, you're not totally obedient, you just kind of you just kind of go through the motions. Let me ask you a question. Are you truly following Jesus? Because Jesus said there's no casual Christianity. There's no just take a little bit of this. There's not just walking in the good and ignoring the bad. It, everything comes together. You may have to suffer. You may be rejected. You may even be killed, but it's worth it. If you're going to follow him, it requires complete submission and complete obedience. Well, preacher, I'm just not ready to do that. Well, then answer this question. Is it worth it? Well, I'm going to determine it, but by the time I get to 79, you may not make tomorrow. I said 79 was the average. But you know what the Bible says for us? No man's promised tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor. It's here a little while, and in just a moment, vanisheth away. So I want to ask you, what is your soul worth? What is your soul worth?